Howdy folks, and welcome to A Green Wave Forward. My name is Michael O'Neill, and we don't have David Cobb's usual introduction this week because there were some technical difficulties with the live stream from whence this podcast recording came, but we will be joined by David Cobb, co-host of Green Wave Forward, and our guest this week is Gloria Matera, co-chair of the Green Party of the United States and co-chair of the Green Party of New York. We have Gloria on the second Monday of the month to talk about National Green Party news. So let's get right into the episode. To talk about the tremendous victory in the state of Pennsylvania, where the Jill Stein recount campaign earned really a tape measure home run. Um, And for folks who may not have heard about it or to refresh your memory, Jill Stein demanded recounts in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. Newsflash, we never got actual real recounts in any of those states because of the horrific direct recording equipment uh, machines that don't allow you to do actual hand paper ballot uh, recounts. We sued in every state. We have litigation continuing in Wisconsin. We'll circle back and talk about that. In Pennsylvania, we actually settled that suit for, wait for this, folks, a guarantee to abolish all DRE machines or so-called black box voting by 2020 in that state. But wait, there's more. Also a guarantee that paper ballots of record will be used. But wait, there's still more. A guarantee to use best practices for state-mandated audits of the election results that would mean automatic recounts uh, in close races. Oh, but wait, there's still more because $150,000 is being paid by the state of Pennsylvania back to uh, the Stein recount effort uh, to help fund both Wisconsin and, as Jill has promised repeatedly, if there is any money left over, then she's going to make sure to allow the donors to go through a ranked choice vote to determine what election integrity uh, organizations can get this. So, Gloria Matera, I'm curious to know, as the national co-chair, how did the national party react? Did you get any? Did we get any bump out of that? Uh, what What is your assessment and experience around that that news in Pennsylvania? Sure. Well, first, I want to congratulate you, David, um, uh, and the Stein campaign, Jill herself, uh, for going through this and those in Pennsylvania that helped out because it is a tremendous victory. The Greens have always been uh, all about election integrity. You know, we never know what's going to happen when there's a recount, but we do a recount because it's about democracy, because we hear that there are problems. We know that there are problems. Um from voter suppression to the problematic machines, um, you know, problems with affidavit ballots, absentee ballots, identification, and on and on. And we do this uh, because the corporate parties can't stand up to that because many times they are both involved. Um, one wa- one washes the hand of the other. And so I think that the Green Party's long history of doing this, including you yourself, David, uh, doing that recount, uh, and the results that happened there is really important. Um, you know, it, I, it did get uh, some attention, I think, in the press. Uh, we did talk a little bit to some interested reporters. Uh, I think, you know, in the news cycle, it's always a challenge to kind of get that out there. But I think we need to continue as a national party um, and also Pennsylvania 
uh, spoke out. The Green Party of Pennsylvania spoke out um, and got their news released out there because we need to continue to talk about election integrity because that is the umbrella for recounts, for audits, uh, for hand-counted paper ballots to be able to ensure that every voter is counted. And Michael, I'm going to ask you if you want to add a little bit, because I know that, you know, you've been uh, really pushing Greens to really think not just about recounts and election integrity, but the whole suite of the kind of reforms that Greens advocate uh, to make elections actually democratic in this country. I invite you to sort of share your thoughts. Sure. Well, I think that... uh... The baseline is having elections that are actually within the laws as they are, right, to at least live up to those uh, even low standards. But beyond that, we want to fight for not just having functional voting machines that are honest and that actually record your vote as you intended it, but we want to improve the way that people can vote in terms of having a more powerful vote through single transferable vote slash ranked choice voting and, of course, proportional representation. And, I mean, we can look at some of the voting crises that we run into as moments where we can get public attention about just how much of an electoral backwater that our country is. And some states do better than others, but on the whole, it's a, it's a poor situation out there. So while we have their attention saying, hey, look, we, we're, we're getting a more honest voting system in Pennsylvania that's going to have audits eventually, uh, now, now that we have a, at least a barely legal functional vote, now let's have a more powerful vote. Mm-hmm. Gloria, David. Yeah. yeah. So you, you went silent for me for just a moment. But what I would say is this, that remember, folks, it's not just about counting every vote. It's not even just about changing the voting system to proportional representation and ranked choice voting. It's equally critical that we get big money out of elections and have pure, 100 percent publicly funded elections, you know, so that we can actually have reasonable discourse. But wait. Let's also reform the ballot access laws so that independents and alternative political parties can be on the ballot. And let's make sure that those candidates can get on the debate stage and actually make the case to voters. And really important, I'm very proud that the Green Party has been championing the end of felony disenfranchisement, because when you couple the racist criminal justice system with felony disenfranchisement, this is one of the reasons uh, that poor people, uh, predominantly and ex- especially people of color, young people of color, are excluded from even being able to vote. So the Green Party's call and Jill Stein's call for restructuring how elections take place is actually a call to democratizing elections. So thank you, Michael, uh, for bringing that to us. Thank you also, I see, Michael, that you've dropped uh, that uh, note on Pennsylvania and that uh, media release into the comment section, which reminds me to encourage vote, uh, viewers and or listeners that if you would please, if you're watching on Facebook Live, please share this on your own personal page and any page that you manage. If you're listening to us on the podcast, we know that more and more folks are doing that. Uh, please share that podcast with others because with a hat tip to Gil Scott Heron, The revolution will not be televised. 
but it can be brought to you over sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis, and a green wave forward is just that sort of program. Gloria, I want to also shift gears to talk about the work that Greens and lots of other social change agents are doing on the border in support uh, of the migrant caravan for justice that is now massing in Tijuana. And I see that the Green Party has put out a very powerful statement. I would invite you to talk about that. Yes, thank you, David. And first, I'd like to give a shout out and thank all the many Greens um, that are organizing and involved with other groups uh, at the border. It's really important uh, that we're not only putting out statements uh, and we're running um, on immigrant rights, migrant rights in our platform, but that Greens are actually putting themselves right in direct action to support that. And of course, today, I think we heard that uh, 32 people were arrested at the border. on the, on the San Diego side protesting. So yes, the Green Party has put out a statement where, um, you know, once again, we're calling, uh, out the kind of, uh, military assault, um, as they, as was done in Ferguson, uh, for protesters, uh, Brown was killed after, uh, Rock, when sovereign nations were standing up for the taking of their running uh, women, children, people fleeing their countries that were destabilized by the United States in the name of capital, um, really for their survival, coming to the border, seeking asylum. Um, we believe that um, there should be amnesty for the migrants and for those seeking asylum. We believe that um, ICE should be dismantled. We believe Homeland Security should be defunded because basically um, we are taking military action. It's a kind of classic white supremacist behavior uh, against peoples who are oppressed, who, um, you know, direct fault of the United States where we should actually be making good on how we're treating these people. We should be at the border offering mental health services, health services, uh, decent shelter, We should be keeping families together and processing these families and helping them really um, attain what they need, which is humane treatment, waiting to get into the United States, whether it's seeking asylum um, for political asylum or looking to get away from the horrific conditions that the capitalist United States has perpetrated in their countries. So thank you so much for that, Gloria. And I especially appreciate you reminding us and viewers uh, that those migrants actually were were put on the road by the neoliberal policies uh, that are being imposed uh, on the rest of the world, not just by U.S. government, but really on behalf of the transnational corporations that are actually controlling not only the U.S. government, but really controlling the world. It really is time for us to say clearly and unambiguously that there is a oligarchy in control of the entire world. Uh, they are, they are in control of virtually every country. And let's give a big hat tip to the yellow vest movement, uh, in France, uh, who when a neoliberal, basically Clintonite, uh, Bill Clinton type uh, tries to impose the kind of austerity that Bill Clinton successfully imposed in this country, uh, the entire nation of France seems to be in uproar, sort of letting us know and reminding us that if you're really about resistance, 
you actually resist and you have to be willing to disrupt things. I also want to acknowledge the fact that today there are uh, many people actually being arrested uh, on the U.S. side of the border because of the uh, attempted uh, 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 engagement uh, that they're involved with. It looks like it's mostly being led by Quakers, but I understand, Gloria, that there are Greens amassing on the border as well. Can you talk about that? Yes, there, there are. Uh, I think there are Greens involved in this movement in general. There are uh, two local Greens in New York City that we know of that are there with organizations. Uh, they're kind of, and they've gone through some. They've gone through training, uh, so it's, they're very serious about it. Some people are really doing kind of distributing food uh, and other important supplies. Uh, others are helping out with some legal work. Uh, if they're not lawyers, they're just kind of assisting what needs to be done. And I'd actually uh, kind of want to put a call out to state green parties uh, or individual greens. If you are at the border, have been at the border, or going down there, or people from your state party or local going, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to um, talk about your experiences, get an opportunity solidarity with greens uh, who are are actually doing that direct action and support. Thank you so much, Gloria. And thanks also for acknowledging the Greens that are there on the ground and for the invitation, which I will also extend. Uh, you know, I, We know that there are many individual Greens who are there on the border, and it's been hard to actually uh, communicate with folks. But I'm going to extend a personal, very public uh, invitation if there are Green Party organizers on the ground on the border to come on to a program so that we can actually hear from you the same way we heard from Greens who were organizing on the ground uh, as a result of the fires. And it really does remind me to say that the, the, the fact that Greens massed after Katrina and helped to form common ground after Hurricane Sandy, Greens were on the ground as part of Occupy Sandy. Uh, Greens have been on the ground after every major event doing mutual aid uh, and providing that kind of direct action. So I really want to acknowledge and thank that. And I also want to thank Steve Martin, who writes in to remind us that the U.S. military actually shot in to Mexico. Gloria, have you heard about those reports? And I'm wondering if uh, there's anything that you'd like to, uh, to comment on. Uh, I have not heard about that. I only heard about the arrest today, which were, is mostly Quakers and that organization that was there. I've not heard um, any shots across the border. And so uh, that's an outrage. Uh, I think we really you know, need to look into that. Um, unfortunately, I'm not surprised to hear that it will come to that situation. Uh, and I think that, you know, we talk about the Green Party uh, being a party of nonviolence, that we um, we uphold nonviolence as you know one of our four pillars, but we also are very clear that uh, we believe in people defending themselves, particularly people defending themselves against kind of a you know kind of an, a military assault. And I think Greens are there, um, and I think you're right, David. Uh, you know, resistance is about resisting, and that we are all about that. Um, and there is no conflict. I just want to remind Greens out there, there's no conflict between a party of nonviolence where we want to uh, defund um, homeland security. We want to cut the military budget. We want to stop aggression around the world. We want to stop 
aggression in our rights of individuals, particularly those that are being oppressed. Well said, Gloria Matera. Folks, you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your co-host, David Cobb, joined by Michael O'Neill. And our guest tonight is the second Monday of every month is Gloria Matera, who serves as the national co-chair of the Green Party of the United States. I want to thank Lori, who writes in to remind us that indigenous people are there, too. She specifically mentions Myron Dewey, and I know that there are others there. And it reminds me uh, to, to say out loud the recognition that those borders are imaginary lines on the map, that people actually uh, have been crossing uh, uh, from one bioregion to another since time immemorial. And the other thing that I want to say is that uh, anthropologists tell us clearly that humans uh, migrating uh, because of ecological conditions is literally the reason that we're still existing as a species now. So when people tell me that, oh, open borders is crazy, I tell you the idea of closing borders is actually crazy. Uh, the birds and the animals and the fauna do not recognize those imaginary borders, and our ancestors never did. Yes, there were porous kinds of borders in terms of territory or land, but the idea that there were sort of border checks and crossing is absolutely new and pretty horrendous. Uh, sorry, David. Steve, Steve Walter that you, oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, please continue, so Gloria. I'm sorry. Uh, right. The Green Party believes that migration is a human right in the same way we believe healthcare is a human right, many other things are human rights. And so, um, you know, we feel that the migrants at the border need to be treated humanely and swiftly need to make a decision to have them uh, come into this country and be treated uh, fairly and with the same way we would treat anyone else as opposed to looking at them as the other or people that don't belong here, calling them. Um, and of course, we all know that there are many climate refugees uh, as a result of both the United States and other industrialized countries um, just continuing to pollute um, and desecrate the earth. And thanks for bringing in the entire concept of uh, human rights that go beyond just the political rights uh, that are so weak in this country. But actually, we in the Green Party believe that people and human beings have a right to clean air to breathe, clean water to drink, nutritious food to eat, that we have actually a right to transportation, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, uh, we in the Green Party actually uphold that concept. And I also want to thank Steve W., who writes in to say that there are many people from L.A. who are going to the border as well. So thanks for that, Steve. I know that Greens in Texas are already there. Greens all across California, I know, are mobilizing. I'm sure that there are Greens that we just don't even know about. So it really does me uh, – it makes me very humbled to know – not just Green Party people, but that there are more and more people who are going to the border uh, in support and to show genuine resistance to the horrible uh, policies of the Trump regime and actually showing genuine resistance as opposed to the faux resistance of the neoliberal corporate democratic leadership. You know, I also do want to uh, shift gears a little bit, Gloria, to talk about uh, Illinois and uh, uh, some of those things. But before I do, I want to invite either Michael O'Neill or Gloria Matera for any final thoughts as it relates 
uh, to the, uh, the, the migrant caravan massing uh, on the border? Just that we got to keep fighting and we got to support those who have gone to the border who are fighting. Let's do this. Let's let's shift gears now into uh, directly into uh, a conversation around dues. Uh, As folks know, I am a proponent of incorporating a dues based structure uh, for green parties at both local, state and the national level. Uh, however, I'm uh, I'm just one voice, uh, uh, and uh, there are several states that are beginning to experiment uh, with the idea of dues. Gloria, I know New York State has dues, and my understanding is that Illinois is engaging in an experiment. And I would invite you to to share with us uh, what you know, what are the different types of experiments that are going on, and what's being what's being learned. Sure. Uh, yeah, so congratulations, uh, uh, Green Party of Illinois, for uh, uh, passing that. And so that's the, the, the most recent day that New York has had it for some time. I think there are several other states, and certainly welcome those to comment uh, about their state. We think the due structure... Um, especially the way I think Illinois is doing it in a similar way. There's uh, kind of a, a baseline dues. Uh, then there's an opportunity uh, for people who feel that they can't pay that baseline, that there's more of a kind of a low end. And what I like about what how Illinois put out the call and they said, and if you're able to uh, give us a little extra support, you can you know do, give dues at another level, a little bit higher level. Um, dues is important. I think it's um, like you, David, and I, you know, I think Michael will agree. Uh, it provides a real steady income and a basis for the party uh, infrastructure to keep going, the party machine to keep going. Um, it also gives a level of commitment to the Greens that are paying dues. Um, and I want to acknowledge that it seems most parties are looking at sliding scale uh, so that low wage or people who aren't working feel like they're contributing uh, to their party. Uh, we know that also the dues is in some parties giving the true membership an opportunity to uh, have uh, in, internal votes, uh, decision-making on a party platform, uh, on other aspects of building their state Green Party. Uh, so I think that um, that is the way to go. I encourage states to look at what states are already doing a due structure to try that out. We know that there might be uh, caveats uh, around different states and finances and political parties if you're a ballot status and not ballot status party. But, you know, I think this is the future of the Green Party. And I, it's a definitely an important national party discussion that we've been having. And the steering committee also, we think, will be talking about that and their strategic planning, which is just um, really starting uh, this past this about a week ago and will be continuing into the new year. So thank you for that outline, Gloria. And as a as both a former uh, member of Pipeline Workers Local Number Thirty Eight, uh, so a former dues payer of the union myself, uh, and also as a lawyer, I do want to take just one moment to underscore the fact that uh, you cannot impose dues uh, for the right to vote in a primary or to vote uh, in a public election. That's true. However, the courts have repeatedly upheld the ability 
for political parties and, uh, to be to use dues for the purposes of making internal decisions, as Gloria uh, just laid out. So for those folks who are uh, in the comment section and other places saying that dues are illegal poll taxes, like we can have a, a, a conversation about whether dues should be used or not. And I think that there is a principled position against dues. I support dues, uh, but I recognize that principled comrades with whom I uh, I will work with. I will have a. Uh, we can have disagreement, but I do want to be clear: the idea that dues are illegal polls taxes is just objectively not true. So, uh, and I think Michael, uh, what we ought to do probably is actually circle back and because ha- this conversation keeps coming up. So I think it might be a good idea, Michael O'Neill, that that uh, we actually schedule a show and bring in a pro dues and an uh, and a and an anti-dues person and actually use our program to demonstrate, oh, this is what actual respectful disagreement uh, looks like uh, in the Green Party. What do you think, Michael? Well, yeah, I think this is definitely a long-term conversation for the party and part of our strategy. And I think that um, it would be good in just a moment to maybe delve into some of the details of the Illinois plan. And I'm seeing people in the comments asking, like, what are dues? And what do you mean by dues? And so we we might have leapt into this topic, maybe without completely establishing a baseline for exactly what we're talking about for people who are new to this concept. Um, So uh, so maybe going over some of the details will help with that. Um, So so in that case, I do want to actually thank the people in the comment section who who did that and pushed and ask those good clarifying questions and let me own the mistake to sort of jump into the deep end of that conversation. Um, and Michael, I do want to uh, give you an opportunity uh, to, to share uh, some of your thoughts around that and maybe even establish that kind of baseline about what the heck we're talking about. Right. So, um, so when we're talking about membership dues, we're just in the same way that people who maybe are belong to the Audubon Society or belong to a trade union, they pay regular dues as part of their belonging to that organization. And it's a maybe a monthly contribution or an annual contribution. In New York State, we allow people to choose whether or not they want to give they want to contribute annually or or monthly. And at least in New York, we try to be clear in our language that this is not a donation. This this is membership dues that we are asking people to pay uh, as part of their membership, as as part of the understanding the necessity that in order to be a people-owned party, we must be a people-funded party. We must be funded by our members because no one else is going to fund us, that's for sure. Uh, the 1% isn't going to fund us. And even if they were offering that money, we wouldn't want to take it because even if that money is ostensibly being honored, uh, offered with good intentions, there are always strings attached. And just like I think a lot of progressives see that some of the so-called progressive think tanks and progressive nonprofit organizations that take that big foundation money, they never go hard really against the 1%. And their and their most treasured oligarchic positions, and so that's why dues are important, and and that it's not just an act of of charitable giving when you pay your membership dues. So in Illinois, 
uh, just to get into some of the, the nitty gritty here, they are saying that in order to be a member of the Green Party with all rights of membership, people need to start paying dues, and their baseline is sixty dollars annually. And if you are uh, if if you're in a low income situation such that sixty dollars would present a real hardship, then they have a low income rate of twelve dollars per year. And but, but as Gloria mentioned earlier, if you can pay over sixty dollars as part of your annual membership, then they offer that uh, option as well. And so, in New York, you can be a member of the Green Party of New York State without paying supporting members' dues. That's what we call it. Um, now there are benefits to contributing as a supporting members' dues uh, participant in that. Part of your dues goes into the county organization where you reside. If you have an organized county organization there, organized county organization, a little bit redundant, but I hope you get the point. And also counties that have supporting members, dues, paying participants can uh, have a greater representation on our state committee. But as David mentioned earlier, you know, we're a ballot status party in New York State. We can't control who registers as a Green Party voter. They can sign petitions for candidates. They can run as candidates themselves without ever paying supporting members dues. My question for Illinois is, um, and maybe this is too nitty gritty to go on to it on this program, is, uh, you know, to what extent, like here in New York, who's on your in your your voter rolls as a Green Party, it's all mediated through the Board of Elections. Is that similar in Illinois, or do they have a, a different situation there, such that they can say who's a member and who's not? Does that make sense? So I wonder, I, I don't know the answer. I, it, the question makes good sense to me, and I think it's the right question. I'm wondering, Gloria, if you know the answer to that question, because we do have to navigate 50 different state election codes in the Green Party of the United States as a national party. Uh, yes, that's true. And I think that is you know, a bit of the challenge. Um, the only thing in reading about Illinois is just basically saying if you're a member of the party, they don't really, uh, st- uh, you'll be, you'll con- considered a member of the Green Party uh, by paying dues and then kind of laying out the details as Michael did. Uh, it doesn't refer to anything about uh, kind of the, you know, general elections or that, but they are basically saying you're a member of the Green Party of Illinois uh, when you become a dues-paying member. What I what I want to say about some of the, I think the states that um, have you know, started this, I think it's North Carolina also, Maryland, basically. I think that uh, it's really being done uh, around the country and kind of rolling out in a very thoughtful way. Um, clearly, you can um, read an Illinois statement and how it was a debate, um, there were how the decisions were made. There's a time period it happens, looking at sliding scale. And so I, you know, I'm really kind of proud of uh, the states around the country that have, have taken this effort in a very thoughtful way. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you're thinking of having a show dedicated to that. I think the National Party needs to also find uh, mechanisms to have a real principled debate about this. Um, it's really, you know, not just effective doing it on the list with our delegates or doing it on Facebook. I, you know, I think that it would really be a service to hear uh, from the states that are doing it, from states that are not doing it, whether it's they're not comfortable with it or it's just they find the 
the actual logistics too challenging because, and, you know, at some point there's going to be a conversation uh, and um, maybe a move towards having dues on the national level. And so we want to make sure all our Green Parties, our Green Party enrollees, our Green people who consider them Green Party members really understand what this debate is all about. So, Gloria, I'd actually like to ask you just personally in your own perspective, not speaking as co-chair of the Green Party of the United States, if we project into a future where we have a national party due system, have you thought at all about how state parties that are collecting dues will interface with that system? Do the two just coexist because we need to be funding our parties at the state level and the national level? Can we imagine maybe part of... I've thought about that. Uh, right. Please go on. Okay. I, you know, I thought about it a little bit. I mean, I do think the, the uh, more complicated um, procedure that we have in New York state where money comes into the state and then some money comes, uh, a percentage of that comes back 50% to the counties um, might be very challenging to administrate. Um, I don't know it's possible if, you know, maybe looking into people becoming individual members nationally. So I think there does have to be kind of a conversation about how state parties relate. Should this state party itself have um, a due set? Because we are at this point um, a federation of state parties. State parties are affiliated to the national. You actually can't be an individual member of the Green Party of the United States. And maybe that has to change because there may be people around the country who really want to be able to do that and say, I'm a member of the Green Party. I pay dues. Um, I support this nationally. And um, whatever that means in terms of decision-making process or what it means to be a member. So I think there's a lot to discuss. Um, and I know a good number of uh, co-chairs, steering committee members, uh, and national delegates have been talking about this, are supportive, and want to figure out a way to make this work. And what we are going to say is it's going to be thoughtful. It's going to be inclusive. Um, it's not going to be rushed into because we know this is a big step, but we think an important step for the party. So, Gloria, you, you mentioned the National Party a couple of times, and I do want to make sure to give a shout out uh, to the National Green Party Media Committee, who is making sure that this conversation is being live streamed on the National Green Party page as well. And I want to, to make sure that you share with the viewers and listeners that there's an upcoming upcoming coordinated campaign uh, committee webinar uh, that is actually teaching people the skills and tools necessary to be more effective Green Party organizers and activists. So uh, take it away, Gloria. Right. Uh, the Coordinated Campaign Committee is a very active committee on the National Party. Uh, they're members from different states. Uh, and they have really taken on a very important task of training webinars uh, to, tomorrow evening uh, from 9 uh, to 10.30 Eastern. Uh, there is going to be how to be a campaign treasurer. This is really an essential skill. It's really so important for a campaign off the ground. It's a treasurer. Uh, and then they need a treasurer that's kind of really able to uh, follow the campaign finance laws and whatever reporting structures are happening for that particular level of an election. So... Um, you're going to have an ex experienced uh, Green Party 
members who have been treasurers. Uh, they really do some great webinars. And so I really encourage people to tune in there. So, uh, folks, the, the time has just really flown by. So uh, I want to give you a chance, uh, Gloria, to, for any final thoughts. Uh, thank you, David, and thank you for having me on. Um, I, I want to say I think really appreciate the breadth of the conversations we, we've had here. Um, we want to continue to hear from uh, Greens who are doing uh, work at the border, uh, and we are going to continue as a Green Party uh, speaking up around social justice issues, um, around issues of, particularly around oppression, racism, white supremacy. We are an and our voice is a very unique and important voice. Uh, so I thank you very much for having us uh, being able to talk anywhere from uh, dues in the Green Party to um, protecting uh, migrants at the border. Well, thank you, Gloria Matera, for your service as national co-chair for the Green Party of the United States and your commitment to come on to this program for the on the second Monday of every month. I want to thank you, the listener, viewer, for participating with us. Remember, if you have not yet signed up on the website, agreenwayforward.org, please do so. There is also a survey, which we're asking folks to send, uh, to fill out so that Michael and I can go through a process to really deliver the best program for you, the viewer, listener. Let us know what it is that you'd like to see on a green way forward, what sort of uh, programs you'd like to see, what kind of guests you'd like to have. Uh, are, are there particular individuals either in the world of social change or academia or both that you're interested in? In the meantime, thank you so much for what you're doing. Keep fighting. Peace. A Green Way Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.